0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, your home. Service in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give it up for honor. Thank you, honor. All right, as you guys open your sodas, (laughs) he actually opened his soda. That was awesome. As you open your sodas and start eating your candy, I'm gonna tell you a short story. How many of you guys have heard of the King Arthur story? The seven knights of the round table. It's a story, If you can see the sword in here. It's a story of England, actually. I was looking this up, and it's a myth, they say. And during this time, England was actually, their king had just died, their queen also died. The kingdom is in an uproar. There's nobody ruling the people, and their enemies are attacking them. They're ravaging through the land, and they're just causing chaos. And so here comes this Merlin girl, She's a witch, you could say, or whatever, and she has this prophecy. She says that whoever can pull the sword out of the stone will be able to become king and bring England out of the unrest and defeat and drive out its people. The person who would pull this sword out of the stone would be able to be crowned king and would lead, lead the whole people. It would lead the kingdom into um, just being a better kingdom, I guess you could say. Put your hand down. This is not a Q&A. Yeah, Devin back there with his hand raised. So, no, this is my story, not yours. Thank you. So, everybody would come and they would try to pull the sword out of the stone. And no one throughout the whole land was found worthy to pull the sword out of the stone. And continuously, England was in chaos. Their enemies were just destroying them, killing people, killing kids, whatever you wanted. Like, it was very chaotic. And so men would come up and try to pull the sword from the stone but no one was found worthy to do so and the kingdom continued to be just uneasy it was chaotic the enemies kept taking things and destroying things and overtaking cities no one in throughout the whole land was worthy to take the sword out of the stone and i go with this to talk about what we're going to talk about say what is, what is it? say it louder what is what is, what is worship Say it again. What is worship? Good question. That's a great question. Because every time we have worship, I feel like we don't know what worship is. And if I can be completely transparent with you, I grew up going to church wondering what worship is. I would go to church, and I would just be like, oh, we're doing worship. Yay. And I never understood what worship was. I was so lost that worship was just singing. I was lost to think that actually worship was just going to church. That's what we did. But I want to create a case for you that worship is so much better than that. And so we're going to go on this series of what is worship, how we worship, what worship looks like, worship in the Bible. But to answer the questions about worship, we got to start of what is worship and why we worship, okay? So tonight we're going to answer those questions. So what is, say what is. Worship, growing up, I never understood this. So, I think the best place to start is let's define what worship is not, okay? Worship is not just singing songs. It's not something we just do, oh, we're going to sing some songs. It's not that. It's not just attending church. It's not just lifting your hands. It's not just worship music, which worship music is dope, and it's become its own whole thing now. But it's not just that. It's not attending church, and it's not the sermon that you're hearing right now. So what is worship? Our whole religion is built on worshiping. We're people, and if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I preached on that we were created to worship. That is actually one of our purposes, living and breathing on this earth, it is to worship. We do this every Sunday and Wednesday, yet we don't know what we're doing. Yet we can't even define it, but it's actually the greatest privilege that we have as believers to do. Worship actually changes our attitude, it changes things around us, it increases faith, and yet we can't even define what worship is. Because if I was asked the room right now, you guys would give me a whole bunch of different answers, right? I know I'm right, so you don't have to say anything. So let me define worship, my definition of worship, for you. So what is worship? It is when your heart is centered around a person or object giving value, attention, and devotion to You worship the thing that your heart is attracted to. If you could picture your heart right now, picture a table or a throne. And on that throne or table is what you're attracted to. It's the things that you're willing to devote to. And on this table of your heart, you get to choose what you place on it. And this this is how you worship, is giving your devotion and attention and everything you have to this. And whatever is placed on this can be valuable or unvaluable. It just depends what you place on this throne of worship. I call it just the throne of your heart. You can also call it the table of your heart. We're going to look at next week where Jesus goes in and he shows us how to worship as he enters Jerusalem, okay? So you worship the thing that you consider valuable. Greater the value to you, the greater the thing you're going to worship. If it means a lot to you, it means you're going to worship it more. Worship in several terms is what you give worth to. It literally der- derives from this word worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship, worth. You're giving worth to something. Just as simple as it is, you're giving worth to that person or object. You, guess what, have the ability to have false worship and false idols. False worship is anything on this table other than Jesus, that's a false idol. Anything on this table, not Jesus, false idol. And then when you worship it, that is false worship. Because there's, those don't have truly values. Okay? Our hearts can worship other things that have no value. So Jesus is actually after this table that is in the center of your heart. He is jealous for this. I would say he's a madman. And he would do anything to get this table to be centered on it because what is worship is anything that we center our hearts around it's anything that we give devotion to it's anything that we give attention to what we're attracted to and he's jealous to be here he's so jealous to be here that he goes through some extreme debts to be here okay why why would he do this why would he want this table of worship in your heart so much why would, he, why would he want this? Because you were created one of one. No one in all generations, in all of ages, look like you, sound like you, talk like you, act like you. There's no one on the earth who is you. Say me. Say it louder, me. You are this original piece of work. Some of you are actually pieces of work, but you have this such unique and authenticity. Wow, well, I can't say that. To you that he is jealous for that. It's like collecting things. How many of you have collected things? I've collected Funko Pops before. I thought it would be cool. I know, nerd. Oh, God. Shy away. I thought it would be cool to have, like, all the characters in a movie, but I'd never gotten that far, so I didn't really do a good job of collecting. But Jesus is actually collecting all of your worship. He wants you. He wants to collect that card of you. If you could think of a of like a baseball card, and with you on it, he's wanting to collect that. He's so jealous for that because no one can worship Jesus the way you worship Jesus. No one can give him the attention that you give him, and he's so jealous and zealous for this spot that he just wants it, but guess what? He won't force you to give it to him. He won't do anything other than die on a cross, present the case of love to you, and hope, and then the only thing you have to do is accept it, and he won't force you To accept it, you have to be willing to accept it. He's so jealous and zealous for you, but he puts the pressure on you. He's not going to force you to worship. Okay? So let's take a deeper dive into worship. So what is worship? One more time. It is when my heart is centered around Jesus, saying, hey, Jesus, you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my attention, so I'm going to give it to you. It's, worship is saying, hey, in all of the land, you are worthy. I'm giving you my attention. I'm giving you my love in this moment right now, and that is what worship is. It's what our heart is circled around him. And so in Revelation 4, we're going to read about heaven encircling Jesus, okay? I believe Revelation 4 is this deep, insight of heaven worshiping this man on a throne. Revelation 4 is a book written by John, and John is taken into the third heavens, and he's taken in this set of heaven, and when he looks at heaven, he sees this worship set going on, and it's marvelous. So let's read it, and I want you to take key on what heaven is encircled around. So, Revelation 4 says, Instantly I was taken to the spirit realm, and behold, I saw a heavenly throne being set in place and someone seated upon it. His appearance was like sparkling crystal and glowing like gemstones. Surrounding the throne was a circle of green light, like an emerald rainbow. Encircling the great throne were 24 elders, 24 thrones with elders in glistening white garments seated upon them, each of them wearing a gold crown of victory. And pulsing from the throne were blinding flashes of lightning, crashes of thunder, and voices. And burning before the throne were seven blazing torches, which represent the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there was a pavement like a crystal sea of glass. Around the throne, on each side, stood living creatures, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, and they worshiped without ceasing, day and night, singing, Holy, Holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the was, the is, and is to come. And whenever the four living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one seated and throne and who lives forever, the 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrounded their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And for your pleasure, they were created and exist. So this is is a huge worship set taking place in heaven. And if you can close your eyes and think of this huge throne, I usually think of the Lincoln Memorial, because I've been there and I stood up looking at Lincoln. I'm like, wow, that's an amazing place to sit. If you can close your eyes and think of this, go ahead, close your eyes. And if you can think of lightning bolts striking all around and thunder happening and this rainbow encircling the throne room, and everything in heaven is encircled around this person seated on there. And that is worship. Is everything circling him because he's the only one that matters. And if you can think of this throne, I like to think of this man seated on the throne, powerful and mighty. And his face is kind of blurred out and he's faceless and there's this shining light coming from him. And he's wearing this most beautiful crown with, with uh, jewels and emeralds all on it. And so you can open your eyes. And so when I worship, sometimes I get distracted. And I'm like, man, that, this my neighbor. He's kind of weird and smells right now. Or I'm distracted by who's playing the song or who, the amazing drummer that we have, Blake Hunt, right? I'm distracted by all these things. I'm thinking of what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm thinking what I'm going to go eat for lunch, right? So what I like to do to t- keep my mind encircled around the, upon the man on the throne is I close my eyes and I think of a throne and this is where worship starts to truly happen is when i put my mind and my gaze upon the man seated on there because what is worship it's our hearts encircling him and as you can see in heaven all of heaven encircles him that is worship it's in encircling this man on the throne and then their daily response is to give him worship and praise every moment they don't stop saying holy 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 and they don't stop falling face down And looking up again and being like, oh my gosh, he's still amazing. And falling face down again. The key highlight here, how everything is encircled around the throne. This is important to worship. Why? Because worship is what our hearts are attracted to. It's what we encircle our heart around. What are you willing to encircle your heart around? Are you willing to place Jesus on this heart, on this table of worship? Or are you going to have somebody else that your heart's attracted to? Are you going to have some other boyfriend? Are you going to have some other video game? Are you going to have something else here where you're going to encircle your heart around him and behold him? Because you were created to behold him. You were created to worship. And worship is us circling around him and beholding the beauty of who he is. And so when I worship, I like to close my eyes and I think of this throne. And I just sit there. And I don't do anything except I'll sing along most of the time. But I'll close my eyes, and I'll sit there, and I'll just be in awe of who he is, of lightning and thundering, just the flashes of lightning and what he's done. And then what becomes really beautiful is when I start declaring who he is. Ooh, man, does worship get really deep when I start doing that? Because I look at him, and as I be him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're beautiful. Your face is as radiant as the sun. You're just so majestic. You're so beautiful. Everything flows to you and everything and all things flow from you. You're the creator of all things. And my heart becomes encircled upon him like it is in heaven. I believe when we start worshiping Jesus and our hearts are encircled around, around him, we create the environment of heaven in the room. I believe that heaven starts invading the room that we're worshiping. Because literally, we are answering Jesus' prayer. He says, let your kingdom come and your will be done. I believe when we start worshiping, his kingdom starts invading earth. And it invades the room that we're in. And we start recreating the environment of heaven that is taking place. It's like the same vibes are matching at the same moment. What is happening in heaven starts happening on earth. And then we're in just an awe of, oh my gosh, there's something happening. So let me define worship again. What is worship? It's what our hearts are attracted to, what our hearts give attention to, what our heart gives worth to. It's when we encircle the throne just like in heaven, and we're saying, Jesus, no one else here but you. But you may ask me, why do our worship? You remembered in the beginning I told a story of King Arthur. No one in the land was found worthy, right? Watch this. Revelation 5, it says this, and I saw that the one seated on the throne was holding in his right hand, he had in, a, in his hand an unopened scroll with writing on the inside and on the outside and the seal with seven seals. And I saw an incredible powerful angel proclaiming with a great loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and able to break its seven seals. But no person could be found living or dead in all of creation. No one was worthy to open the scroll and read its contents. So I broke down, weeping with intense sorrow, because there's no one found worthy to break open the scroll and read its contents. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has conquered. He is worthy. He's the one who can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a young lamb standing before the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. He appeared to have been slaughtered, but was now alive. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the ends of the earth. Verse seven: I saw the young Lamb approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures saw the Lamb had saw the Lamb had taken the scroll. They fell face down at the feet of the Lamb and worshipped Him. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet, fragrant incense, which are filled of the prayers of God's holy lovers. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. You purchased us to bring us to God. And at every tribe, language, people, group, and nation, you have chosen us to serve our God. And formed us in a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels encircling the throne. As well as the voices of the living creature and the elders. And as I watched, all of them were singing, singing with thunderous voices. Worthy is the Christ, the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive great power and might, wealth and wisdom, and honor and glory and praise. That every living being joined the angelic choir. Every creature in heaven, under the earth, in the sea, and everything in them were worshiping with one voice saying praise, honor, glory, and dominion be to God enthroned, and, and to the Christ, the lamb, forever and ever. And the four living creatures responded, amen. In the beginning, I was talking about how England had no one who was found worthy. And eventually, King Arthur comes out of nowhere, comes, pulls on the sword, and pulls it out of the stone. And he was worthy to take the sword. And then after he took the sword, he was crowned with the crown of England. And then he was able to conquer all the enemies and drive them out. In this one moment, there was one who was found worthy. In Revelation 5, John is sitting there seeing this scroll on the father's hand on the throne. And he looks and he's wondering who's going to take the scroll. And he's looking and no one is able to take it. So what, what is happening is, I believe... Angels are looking. They're searching all of the earth from generations to generations, dead and alive, looking for one who was worthy to take the scroll out of the Father's hand. They're looking. They can't find anybody. They looked in the sea. They looked under the earth. They looked all the universe. No one was found worthy to take the scroll. And then suddenly, here comes this lamb. If you can think, this little white lamb, ba, 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 He comes. And as we, he looks at the lamb, his throat is slit. <laughs> he says, oh my gosh, he used to be dead, but now he's alive. So this white little lamb is actually bleeding everywhere, oh my gosh, on the sea of crystal glass. And if you can think of this, as, this is because I'm pretty funny, I think. He takes his paw, and he just, what if, the, if sheeps or lambs have paws? He takes it and he grabs the scroll. He says, look, he is worthy. That is the one that is worthy to take the scroll. All humanity, everything was rested upon if someone could take the scroll. And it was Him, Jesus, who was found worthy. Why do we worship Him? Because He was found worthy. Heavens, heaven searched all of earth all in heaven, all below, to find that what is one is worthy. If anyone was found worthy other than Jesus, I would worship that thing because they are worthy. But nobody was found worthy other than him. Why do I worship him? Because he was found worthy. All humanity rested upon this one thing. Why is he found worthy? let me read it again. Because it says this in verse 9. They were singing, why is he worthy? Because you were slaughtered. You were slaughtered for us. You were worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was, was the price paid to redeem us. Your blood that is dripping on this crystal sea of glass was enough to take the seal and paid for us. You purchased us to bring us to God. And out of every tribe, say every tribe. Say every tribe. Say every tribe. Say every, tribe every language. Every language. Say every language, say every people group, in every nation. You redeemed them back to the Father. That is why he's worthy. Guys, if there was someone else who could take the scroll that is presented in Revelation 5, if there was one found worthy, trust me, I would follow that person. So I follow the one who is, and that his name is Jesus, and he sits on the throne of my heart, and I encircle him with all my praise and worship. So tonight, if you remember me talking about, I want to create a resting place for Jesus. I want this place to be encircled by him, and I want heaven to invade this place that we're standing in. And I want, every time we come in, in this room, we want to come in agreement that we know what worship is. I know worship is giving every ounce of me, all my devotion, all of my attention to him. And no one else, because no one else is worthy of my worship, and he's jealous for my worship. So during this time of, time of worship, I'm going to give you some direction. We're going to go in time of worship. In this time of worship, I just want you to picture heaven. Picture the throne room. Picture the thunders uh, roaring, and the lightning, and the flashes of lightning, and the rainbow encircled around the throne. And I want you to stand there encircled by that. Let that one thing be the only thing that has your attention in this moment, okay? I want heaven to invade this place. I want to create a dwelling place for the Lord. And I believe one step we do that, because I believe there's multiple steps, I believe one step of doing that is worshiping Him because He is worthy, okay? Keep it simple. Don't think worship is some big, magical thing. No, it's actually just me giving worth to him. Okay, so keep it simple. So, I believe we get distracted when there's chairs around. So I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up. I actually want you to fold your chair up and I want you to stand it on that wall. And if you're over here, fold your chair up and put it against that wall. And then just find a place up here. Just stand wherever your chair was, I guess. Everybody must put their chair up. This is actually going to be fun because we actually know what we're doing now, okay? All right, find a place right here. We have created now the whole altar. Sometimes we think this is the altar. This whole room is the altar now. So I want you to be elbows apart from your neighbor. We get distracted with what our neighbor's doing. Elbows apart. We're going to go to a time of worship here. I'm going to pray this in. Nate's going to sing us a song, multiple hopefully. All right. During this time, guys, I want you to just picture the throne. What is worship? It's all of my attention, all my devotion upon him in this moment right now. And I'm saying, Jesus, you have this entire room. You have the next 30 minutes. It's all going to go to you. Okay? Can we go after him right now? Jesus, you have my devotion. You were found worthy to take the scroll because you were slaughtered at the foundations of the earth. And no one upon the earth was found worthy except you. So Jesus, as we close our eyes, as we picture Revelation 4 with the rainbows around the throne, with his glorious crown seated upon the the one who is worthy, when we say, Jesus, you have my attention, you have my devotion, you have my yes. But Jesus, our hearts encircle you right now in this moment. We thank you for what you're doing.